sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. I would love to start with a question this morning. So how many of you have ever experienced freedom or healing like Andre prayed for this morning? Only to experience the healing and freedom and this breakthrough and you know something happened, but only for it to come back. Please raise your hands. Raise it high, please. I want you guys to look around. You're not the only one. Okay, you can drop it. I'm raising my hand as well because I realize so often God does something beautiful. Only for it to come back and then there's just so many questions. So, so much confusion. And what is the first thing we think? We've done something wrong. Some way I've done something wrong, so now it's back, so what do I do? So I want to propose this morning, what if we're not doing something wrong? What if we just lack the tools for lasting freedom? What if we're just missing maybe a tool or missing a process that we can follow or a, a tool that we can use for lasting freedom? Or what if getting free is not the, the biggest battle? What if staying free is, is the biggest one and we underestimate it? You know, we, we get breakthrough, God does something, and then we kind of relax. You say, wow, God has done something. You know, we can breathe out, we can relax a bit, and then we end up on the couch like this guy, chilling enjoying life and we forget that we're actually still in a battle right we forget that even though there was a measure of breakthrough we're still in a battle and we we relaxing is good okay uh, do this from time to time but in our spiritual walk we are in a war you know and jesus has paid the price he's given us everything to overcome but the moment we relax too much and we forget that we are in a war, that is when, when we sometimes lose focus, where we sometimes, something comes back and now we don't know what to do with it. And we question God. You know, so I would love to show you a few things this morning from God's Word to not only get free, but to stay free. I mean, so I want to say getting free is good, but staying free is better. It's better. Because it's not only about following Jesus for one day or one week or one month. It's about running this race until the end. Amen? So I, I want to take you to the book of Exodus this morning, Exodus 2. It's a story of the Israelites in, in bondage, Exodus 2. So it says that in the process of time, the king of Egypt died. So for 430 years... The Israelites were in Egypt. Then it says, In the process of time, the king of Egypt died, and then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And what happened then? They cried out. So there was this turning point. Something bad actually happened. The, the king of Egypt died, and the oppression increased. The situation worsened. It got worse. But what is the beautiful thing that happened after that? They cried out to the Lord. And he says, so God heard their groaning. So I want to give you good news this morning. Your biggest crisis could potentially be your biggest blessing. If we cry out to the Lord. If we say, God, 
I'm stuck. I don't have answers, but I'm crying out to you. It could potentially become our biggest blessing. You know, the severity of this situation, it forced the Israelites. 430 years. And then they said, okay, it's so bad, I'm going to cry out. We are going to cry out to the Lord. Amen? This is something we need to, you know, sometimes we, we, we look at our circumstances at the negative things and we only see the negative. But if it forces us to cry out to the Lord, it could become our biggest blessing. Amen? Then Exodus 5 it, it could potentially get worse before it gets better. So what often happens, we start pursuing freedom, we start pursuing Jesus, we start walking out this road, then it gets worse. You know what I'm talking about? It feels as if now I'm following Jesus and now all hell breaks loose. Okay, what is this? And the moment we start pursuing freedom or we, we get serious about our relationship with God, there's a clash between darkness and light. This opposition. The enemy is really happy for us to not seek the Lord. He's pretty much going to leave us alone because, you know, we are not a threat. But the moment we start seeking the Lord, there's a clash between darkness and light. So look, look here, Exodus 5. So the, the Israelites, they cry out to the Lord. God says, enough is enough. I'm raising up a deliverer called Moses. And he tells he, he, he tells Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell them, let my people go. So we pick up the story, Exodus 5. Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. What did Pharaoh say? He said, who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So, so what happens? Let's, let's read in verse 9. He says, let more work be laid on the men. So let's make it worse. So the Israelites, they, they cry out to the Lord. God sends a deliverer. He, the deliverer comes, he engages with Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, let more work be laid on the men. You see it? You know, this is a natural example, but in our spiritual walk, this is what happens all of a sudden. There's a clash between darkness and light. Verse 22, 22, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? And why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. It doesn't look great, right? And at that stage, they didn't know about the Red Sea crossing they didn't know about the provision of manna in the desert, you know, provision, miraculous provision of food. They didn't know about the Jericho walls that's going to fall. They knew nothing about that. All they know is they cried out to the Lord and now things are getting worse. So sometimes we find ourselves in that position. You know, we're engaging in the fight, in the spiritual fight. We're seeking the Lord. We say, God, I'm tired of struggling with this and this and this. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to... I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to go to encounter three and encounter four. And I'm going to trust you for my destiny and for liberty. And then it gets worse, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And what happens is then we want to, we want to check out. We want to say, oh, this is too much. This is too much. This battle is too much. But we know the rest of the story, right? We know about the Jericho walls falling. We know about the miracles and the ten plagues and God showing himself strong. They didn't know, but we do. 
We do. So I, I want to encourage you this morning. When we start seeking the Lord and things get worse, just keep on going. Deal? Is that a deal? Just keep on going because sometimes it actually gets worse before it gets better. So how do we get free? I'm going to give you a few very, very basic principles because I actually this morning want to get to how do we stay free. Because getting free is good, but staying free is better. I mean, so Isaiah 61 verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. So this is the anointing that was upon Jesus, but it's the same anointing that rests upon us as his church. Amen. Like Andre says, God's calling him to, to be like Moses, you know, to confront darkness and to say, let my people go. But because Andre has been called, we're all in it together, right? <laughs> because you've chosen to come to this church, we're all in it together. And it's beautiful to fight this fight together as brothers and sisters. But God says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord rests upon us to, you know, to, to, to bring forth beautiful things. But the one thing that it will, will lead to is captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. So I want to explain to you the difference between captives and prisoners. So put your student hat on, right? Just stay with me for a moment. A prisoner is people who are bound because of a lifestyle of sin. So it is interesting that the scriptures talks about captives and prisoners. Captives and prisoners. So prisoners are people who are bound because of a lifestyle of sin. Now what we need to understand is that Jesus is not intimidated by our sin. He's not scared of sin. God hates sin, but he's not scared of sin because he paid the price. So we shouldn't be scared of sin, but God wants us to hate sin. Does that make sense? Which means we can come to Jesus just as we are. He is able to deal with our sin, right? We need to make a few choices along the way, but our sin should not separate us from Jesus because he has paid the price for that. However, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death which means if we engage in anything that is not God's will for our lives, it's going to bring darkness upon our souls. But there's this amazing scripture, 1 John 1, 9, that says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a tool, you know. There is something about confessing our sins that Jesus comes with his blood and he cleanses us completely. So if we want to get rid of darkness, if we want to get free of something that's been invited into our lives because of sin, one of the keys, one of the first keys is to repent. Now, often we, we think repentance is remorse or it's regret, but repentance is a little bit more than just feeling sorry about, you know, the darkness in our lives. It actually means to turn our back on what we've been doing, and to pursue a complete new lifestyle, right? It starts by speaking it out, by saying, I repent of doing this or saying that, but then it, there's more. It's an active pursuit. And this is why God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us. We're not alone in our pursuit of Jesus or are turning our back 
on sin. He's given us the Holy Spirit, but there's something called repentance, which is beautiful. It, is, it leads to freedom and it leads to lasting freedom. Sometimes we need to repent of things that we have said. And I really feel, especially in the first service this morning, there were so many situations where people actually got freedom because they repented of things they have said in anger, in ignorance. You know, sometimes we say things like, uh, I never want children. I never want children. I never want to have children because of hurt, because of fear, because of something that happened. And that could lead to miscarriage. It could lead to barrenness. You know, and when we, when we bring those words before the Lord and say, God, I repent of these things I've said. We have beautiful testimonies, you know, of people who've walked this road and then there was, they were stuck. Stuck in this journey of, of falling pregnant and carrying full term. And when we actually prayed through that, said, God, I repent of saying these things. The result is beautiful, beautiful children today. You know, so these things we say, these covenants we make with our lips, because the Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue, right? So in the same way we can speak blessing, we can also speak things that can bring darkness. So repentance isn't something to, to be scared of. It's liberating. Repentance means that we turn our back, we say, God, I am sorry for saying these things, and it leads us in a whole different direction. So when, when we pray for somebody, like Andre says, we're now all in this together, right? We're going to help each other to get free. So when we pray for somebody, ask that person, have you said anything that could potentially lead to this darkness? Or have you, have, is there anything in your life that you have done that you've never confessed to God or to any person? Because then we're getting to the root. We're getting to the root of why this person is in prison, right? Why there is darkness. Second key to get rid of darkness when, you, when you're a prisoner is forgiveness. And I know we talk about forgiveness often. <laughs> you know, there's, there's this quote by, um, by C.S. Lewis who said, you know, forgiveness is this great idea. Everybody thinks forgiveness is a great idea until you have to do it <laughs> yourself. It's really tough. Forgiveness is really tough, but... If you've tasted the reward of forgiveness, you're willing to engage in that battle, in that wrestling. Because forgiveness isn't just a nice idea and we do it and we move on with life. It is difficult. But there's something about forgiveness that leads to freedom, and not only freedom, lasting freedom. We're going to need to forgive for the rest of our lives. So make a peace with it. People are going to hurt you. You know, people are going to say things that's hurtful, and we need, to, we need to budget for it, right? Let's budget for forgiveness. Let's put in monthly, you know, let's put in a monthly portion of kindness and, and, and gentleness and patience into that forgiveness account so that when the moment comes, there's a lot of forgiveness to draw from. Because it will come, those moments will come. You know, they say that resentment is like drinking poison, I'm drinking poison, and then I hope my enemy will die from it, right? This is what happens when we, when we find ourselves in a position of unforgiveness. We drink poison, and we truly hope that's going to kill our enemies, but it doesn't. They live happily ever after, and we suffer, right? Forgiveness is so, so crucial. So also, when we pray for somebody, 
And you, you pick up that there is a struggle to be free. There's a struggle. Ask the person, is there anyone that you need to forgive? And lead them in a prayer. Help them. Sometimes forgiveness needs facilitation. Because sometimes we're so badly hurt that you can't even get the word out. You, know, you can't even say, I forgive that person. You, you re- it's almost as if you can't speak it out. Then you need facilitation. And this is why we, we're going to help each other, amen, to get free and to stay free. So what is a captive? A captive is somebody who's been imprisoned through lies. So there's darkness on your soul, there's, there's bondage, there's thought patterns that's not right because of lies that you have believed. So we have a real enemy, right? As Christians, we have a real enemy. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, whether we aware of it or not, there's a real enemy and there's a clash between darkness and light. Jesus has paid the price for this, but the accuser comes, the enemy comes primarily with lies and accusations. This is what he does. So he plants a lie in your head. For example, God is not good. And because of your your circumstances or things that happened in your life, that lie makes sense because, yeah, God isn't good because it looks as if he's not good in my life. Maybe it's good for other people, but not for me. And then that lie becomes rooted in your heart. It becomes a tree and it becomes a stronghold, right? So if we start watering lies and we nurture them and we, we believe them and we speak it out and it becomes this big thing that, you know, it's like, a big tree with branches in your heart, and it takes the place where the Holy Spirit must actually dwell. So if, again, if you pray for somebody, ask the person what is going through their heads. You know, Andre is really good with this. When he, when he counsels people, when he prays for people, he would ask, what are you thinking right now? Right now, tell me, what are you thinking right now? And it's so amazing how often those are the lies that come out. And the way we deal with that is we expose it, we expose the lie, and then we replace it with the truth. This is why we need to know the Word of God. So the, the, the truth is always a higher authority than the fact. So the fact could be that we are sick or we are ill. You know, there's something wrong in our body. We're not denying that. Okay, I praise God for doctors. We love you guys. We partner with you. You need to make a diagnosis. You need to tell your patient these are the facts. But what, what is the truth when it comes to sickness or bondage? The truth is that Jesus is our healer, right? That's higher than the fact. We're not denying that we get sick from time to time. We're not denying that we struggle. That is denial. We, we put the fact on the table, but then we say the truth is a higher authority. And then we expose the lie that says but Jesus can't heal me or he can't set me free. And we say, no, the, the fact is this, but Jesus is our healer, he's our deliverer. He can actually do something about this. Amen? So whenever you pray for somebody, you need to, you need to be able to identify a lie and turn it around and replace it with the truth. So often when we go for traumatic experiences, our reality is that God was not there or that he doesn't care, or that, you know, darkness is stronger than light, because why did this happen? So then 
there's a big, big, big open door for a lie to come in that God has forsaken you or that in that area of your life that God is not good. So the moment we start empowering that, that lie and watering it, it becomes this huge tree, like I explained. But then we need to actually expose it and say, even though you've been through this traumatic thing, we're not denying it. We're not making a light of it. We're just saying that God was there. He loves you. He cares about you. And he's able to heal your heart. Amen. We need to, we need to come alongside each other and start believing the truth. And sometimes we need facilitation. Sometimes we need somebody to pray with us. You know, there's a scripture, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, that says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We need wisdom. We need the Holy Spirit. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So this branch or this tree that has, has been growing in your heart because of a lie the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus and worshiping the King can demolish that stronghold. That is the higher reality, the truth that we believe. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Jesus. We make it obedient to Jesus. What we, do, what we need to do in our own capacity, we need to... Think about what we think about. We need to think, okay, is this thought actually a good thought? Or is this the truth? Is this according to the word of God that says, but all things work together for good, for those who love God and those who are called according to his, his purpose. No, but I don't believe this truth, which means I need to expose this lie. I need to take it captive. I need to take this thought captive. I need to make it obedient to Jesus. And we need to learn to do it out loud. We need to say, okay, I take captive the thought that God is not good. I take it captive. I expose it. I make it obedient to Christ. And I replace it with a truth that says God is a good God. He's faithful. Amen. So anything that you pick up in your thought patterns, we need to, we need to be on it. Right? Otherwise, it just stays there and it becomes stronger and stronger. So, right, how do we stay free? How do we stay free? You know, we have a choice. Like I said, we can either, we can either keep on moving, keep on walking, or we can sit on the couch and enjoy a measure of freedom like this guy. Now, I don't know, he doesn't really look as if he's enjoying life, but, you know, he's, he's chilling properly on the couch. And, we can either find ourselves in this position or we can keep on moving, right? Lie on your couch from time to time, but in the spirit, we lie for one second and then we move again. <laughs> okay. So first of all, how do we stay free? Because getting free is good, but staying free is better. I'm going to wake you up tomorrow morning at 12. Then you must say staying free is better. I mean, we need to walk in the light. And I've spoken about this before, but at the moment, this is just so, so evident for me that this is a crucial, crucial key to stay free. You know, there's a scripture, 1 John 1, 7, that says, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, this community, this real community, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us 
from all sin. So there's the washing. There's the washing. So it's not about not struggling. It's not about being perfect. It's not about never confessing anything. It's about walking in the light that leads to a cleansing, that leads to freedom. So I, I want to I share with you a story, quite sobering story, uh, something that happened in 2006 with a guy in America called Ted Haggard. Uh, I don't know if many of you would know about the, the situation, but he... He was a pastor of a 14,000-member church. Okay, so we are about maybe 300. He had a 14,000-member church. It's a lot of people. Plus, he was a pres- the president of the National, uh, National Association of Evangelicals. It was an umbrella group that looked after 45,000 churches with 30 million members. So this guy was quite... The man of God. So in 2006, he was accused of sexual sin. And he had to step down from his position. And if you read the backstory, so I, it was quite tough for me, you know, later when I, when I, when I read up on the story and I wanted to know the backstory. And what he basically shared is that he had struggles he struggled because something happened to him as a little boy, right? But a lifestyle of walking in the light and accountability with other people kept him safe. So it wasn't about struggles. It was about getting to a place where he said he got so tired of speaking to his wife. He got so tired of telling people, I'm struggling. He got so tired of walking in the light and confessing that he stopped. And since that moment, since that moment he, he stopped, he was pulled into this big pit of darkness that got worse and worse and worse. So this should not have happened. It should not have happened. He was, he was a man who was really, really ministering the word of God. He was in a safe space even though he had struggles because of a lifestyle of walking in the light and accountability. But the moment he stopped, he got vulnerable. So I want to beg you guys this morning. I want to ask you to talk about your struggles. Talk to somebody about your struggles. Because the longer we wait, the longer we do things that nobody knows about, the bigger the darkness becomes. You know, we, there's at least two big men of God in the last four or five years that were my heroes, or two of my heroes, that also had to step down from ministry. You know, big men in in other countries, not South Africa. It's devastating. It's devastating for them, for their families, for their churches, for the whole world, if they are well known. And it could have been prevented if they were willing to walk in the light. So... It's not about perfection. It's not about not struggling. It's about our willingness to humble ourselves. You know, and I think we, I'm just confronted at the moment with so many situations that I know it could have looked different. It could have looked so different if this person was just willing to humble him or herself and walk in the light. So I don't want you, I don't want you guys to to come to such darkness that it destroys your marriage or it destroys your future. It destroys your your calling. I want you to flourish. So I want to ask you this morning, let's talk 
let's talk about our struggles. You know, sometimes I think 50% of our breakthrough, if not more, comes when we talk, when we walk in the light, when we say, I am struggling. And yes, it's shameful, and yes, it's humbling, but rather that than getting, you know, closer and closer and closer to this, this situation where you're going to fall really hard, and it should have never happened. Right, walk, walk in the light. Then walk in obedience. Exodus 14. So God heard the cry of the Israelites, and he, he sends Moses, and he takes them out of Egypt. Beautiful, beautiful story. Now they get to the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are coming for them. Pharaoh's changing his mind. He's sending the chariots, and they're coming for the Israelites. And now there's the sea, and they can't cross. So we pick it up, 14, Exodus 14, verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Because obviously, it's like, Lord, what do we do? What do we do? I'm responsible for these people. God says to him, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Tell them to get moving. I've delivered you. You need to keep on moving. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Get moving. You know, I really think maybe some of you feel stuck in your pursuit of freedom. Maybe some of you feel really stuck. You've experienced breakthrough or freedom, but now you're kind of stuck. And maybe you are right here where the Israelites were, at the Red Sea. You've been delivered from Egypt, but you're stuck at the Red Sea. And God says, get moving. Get moving. Get moving. I am with you. You know, I think we often underestimate we underestimate something I want to call passivity or the spirit of passivity. We look at alcohol and we look at drugs and we look at pornography and we look at all kinds of things that's, that's big. And it feels powerful and it feels as if it's destroying us. But what about the spirit of, of passivity? You know, not la- I'm, not, I'm not saying it's laziness. I'm not saying it's resting. I'm, I'm going to call it passivity because we have moved up until a point. And now we're at the Red Sea and we're not moving. And God says, move. Just keep on going. But we have have surrendered almost to a spirit of passivity and it looks innocent. It looks innocent. It looks, it's, it's so subtle that it doesn't look like a threat. I mean, we're just resting a bit, right? And I really believe some of us, that is our battle, passivity. We need to get up. And keep on moving, right? Because the Egyptians are coming for us. They're coming, right? What are we going to do? Are we going to move? Are we going to cry out to the Lord? Lord? The Lord says, stop crying out to me and get moving. Right? That is what he told Moses. And if we we keep on walking, you see, there's there's a path of obedience. Maybe some of us need to go back to the last instruction. The last instruction God has given us. And just... Start walking in that direction because that's your freedom. For each one of us, our journey is different. For each one of us, our journey is different. But what is God asking you to do? Just take that step. First step, and then the, the sea is going to open. You're going to have dry ground, and God's going to be with you. Number three, walk in holiness. Walk in holiness. 1 Corinthians 10 23. You say, I am allowed to do anything. This is now the Apostle Paul 
speaking to the church of, uh, of Corinth. He's trying to explain to the Corinthians that what, what you're tasting in terms of freedom is amazing, but there's, there's a but. There's a but. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So in our pursuit of freedom and healing and, and, and pursuing our promised land, you know, I cannot tell you what movies you can and can't watch, right? It's, it's something you need to decide. I can't tell you what clothing is appropriate or not. You know, there are all these gray areas when it comes to walking with God. It's not, it's not spelled out in the Bible, okay? It's not, it's not so clear cut. I cannot tell you how many glasses of wine would be acceptable, how many beers. I cannot tell you. It's not clear in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say, okay, two but not three. <laughs> you, know? you, need to, you need to make that decision. What I can tell you is that I'm almost 50. And then you need to listen to me. No, I'm joking. I feel like a mom. And I think I'm getting like, you know. Some of you must call me Auntie Sonica. I don't know if you realize that. Auntie Sonica for, for most of you, actually. <laughs> what I can tell you is that not everything is good for us. And maybe it's okay for your brother or sister because for them there's no temptation when it's one beer or one drink. For them, it's completely fine. So we can't tell them, stop it, if we feel convicted that we should stop it. You see, we, we cannot judge one another, but we need to walk in holiness. We need to seek the Lord for our own spiritual growth, for our own t- intimacy with Him. Some of us should not touch alcohol. That's, that is just... But for some of us, it's okay. Some of us should have stricter boundaries in one area, but in another area, there's no temptation. You know? But for a brother or sister in that area, they need to have boundaries for the sake of their own freedom. You know, when, when we want to watch a movie as a family... You know, it's this whole thing, you know, Andre, Andre or Vian, you know, they think this can be suitable for us as a family. Then they tell me, okay, Sonica, go check it out on Common Sense Media. For those of you who know, Common Sense Media is my, my friend. I cannot, one of my, one of my friends. So I go into Common Sense Media and sometimes we research for an hour and we watch nothing. <laughs> it's very sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. Eh? Sometimes we research for an hour and we watch nothing, or we go back to an old movie, you know, old movie. <laughs> and I just realized that there's a, there's a price to pay for our freedom. But the price is so small compared to the reward. You know, if we watch a movie and we all feel horrible, then we didn't pay the price of not watching it, but we feel horrible. Okay, You know, if I just see that in common sense media, they say that they're going to use the name of Jesus, I'm freaked out already. (laughs) You know, and each of us need to determine ourselves. I cannot tell you what you can and can't do. I just know that 20 years ago, I watched movies I would never, ever touch anymore. Because I've grown in my my pursuit of God. If I'm still watching the movies I watched 20 years ago, I need to ask myself if I'm actually moving you know maybe i'm still stuck at the red sea in that area of my life 
And this is, we are all on a different journey with the Lord. And that is where the freedom comes in. It's not just a set of rules. It's a pursuit of a relationship with someone who gives us life. And I just know every time we as a family make a decision to sacrifice something that could potentially bring darkness or bring, bring harm or anything, you know, in either one of us that could be damaging to our relationship with God, every time we sacrifice that, there's this beautiful reward. There's this beautiful reward. And if we want to ascend, if we want to live an ascended life, we need to become ruthless. But what we allow our eyes to see, what we allow our ears to hear, but it's, it's a, there's a reward. There's a reward, and we have tasted. You just need to taste it. The reward of laying down something for the sake of something so beautiful. Amen? Are you going to send emails to Andre on, on Monday and say, Sonica is not allowed to preach ever again? <laughs> we love you guys, and we want to see you flourish. We want to see you flourish. I wouldn't just, you know, I don't say these things lightly. I'm challenging myself. Andre and I are challenging ourselves on, on holiness, on purity, on, you know, it's, we don't want to be at the age of 65 be in the newspapers, you know, another marriage, another pastor's marriage, because there's so many, there's so many things that's really upsetting, you know, and we're not building our lives around people. We look to Jesus. Right? But we, we love you. And therefore, we have a responsibility to walk in holiness, to walk in purity. But we, wanna, we, we want you to be with us. You know, we want your marriage to flourish. And for those of you not yet married, you're sowing seeds. Every time you sow a good seed, before you get married, you sow it into your marriage. And that is the beauty. Every seed we sow, it will bear good or bad fruits. And we want your marriages to flourish. We want your kids to flourish. We want you to flourish as an individual. And this is why I would say things like this that's challenging. But I know I've tasted freedom. And I've tasted not only getting free, but staying free when we make the right choices. I mean, walk in your authority. Luke 10, 19. Jesus is told, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So God gives us this gift called authority. What is authority? It's the legal and formal right to give orders and commands and take decisions. You are quite powerful. You know, when you are born again believer, you have authority which means we need to take authority of our environment, of our thoughts. Which means if there's something in your mind, or let's take depression, if you're battling with depression, you need to take a stand. You need to say, that's it. I take authority over depression. You're not welcome in my life. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I take authority over you in the name of Jesus, and I command you to flee because joy is my inheritance. Right? You know, we have this bug zapper at home. I don't know if you, how many of you have a bug zapper? You know, you, you zap the flies and the mosquitoes and the jumping spiders. No offense to those of you who love insects. Oh, some people love jumping spiders. Sorry. Let's focus on the flies, okay? Flies. When there's a fly in my kitchen, 
I get my, I call it my shock racket, actually. It's like, I'm, you know, <laughs> I get my weapon, and I make sure that the fly, it, it ends right there quickly, you know. I don't do a flare pluck, it's messy. You know, get yourself a zapper, it's not messy, it's quick, it's, you know, a quick death. But when there's a fly in our room, I don't handle it. I just get it. I give it to Andre because, you know, Andre claims to be a really good squash player. Now I say, okay, there you go. You kill the fly. Now you must see this kind of action in our bedroom, okay? Because a fly is, it's a bit difficult and more difficult than a squash ball, I think. So now, now Andre jumps, you know, over the bed and then it goes wild and then I just have to like, oh, just don't hit me. But the result is, no fly, because we take authority over our environment, right? You need to do the same with your spiritual environment. Get your bug zapper, you know? Take authority over things in your life that does not belong. Then we do it by, by praying into it. I take authority in the name of Jesus. That's it. That's enough. I command you to flee, right? Walk in your authority, then walk with others. I'm ending with this one. Matthew 10, verse 8. Jesus speaking, he says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. I really believe that a big portion of our freedom, of our lasting freedom, is not about focusing on our own freedom, but focusing on the freedom of others. Because freely we have received, we all have received a measure of freedom. I really believe that. Otherwise you would not be here this morning. We have received a measure of freedom. And if you've received any measure of freedom, you can hand it out, right? You can hand it out. And I believe a big portion of our freedom is not only to receive freedom, and to pursue our own freedom, but to help others stay free. So getting free is good. Staying free is better. Helping others get and stay free is best. Are you going to remember this? Let's do it again. Getting free is, is good. Staying free is better. Helping others get and stay free is it's best. Not only for them, but for you. I think in, in, in terms of Andre and myself, you know, the biggest part of the freedom that we have received as Christians was by helping others. It was by helping others, not by going from, you know, the one counselor to the next. There's a place for that. There is really a place for deliverance. There's a place for counseling. There's a place for, for prayer. But we would, have, we, we would have been stuck at some point in our, in our pursuit of freedom if we didn't start helping others. Others, because now we are forced. We are forced to deal with our issues. You know, how can, how can we help anybody if we are stuck? We forced. We forced to take authority. We forced. Otherwise, we're pathetic. You know, <laughs> we just sit in the corner and cry because we we also have things we need to deal with. We don't have a straight line to heaven like you guys think. We we need to walk in the same principles to be free and to stay free. But if we do not help others, what motivation is there? You know, let's be honest. If, if you are not helping somebody else to get free, what motivation is there, you know, for us to grow, 
to pursue more of God. But the moment you need to pray for somebody else, goodness, you know, now you need to grow, right? And that is when we, when we really start pursuing lasting, lasting freedom. So God calls us to be eagles. God calls us, look at this beautiful, this beautiful picture. This is who you are. You know, but the enemy wants to keep us on the ground like a chicken, you know. He wants us to stay down. The moment we rise up, I mean, we're calling this series The Ascended Life. There's more. There's more. And this is the life that we are called for, to rise up, to fly above our circumstances, to have a different perspective, to see things from above. To be strengthened. God wants to strengthen us as a church. He wants us to reach out to others. He wants us to fly high above our circumstances. And this is why it's worth it to humble ourselves, to walk in the light, to confess. This is why it's worth it to, to say no to certain things for the beautiful reward. This is why it is just so worth it, you know, to take up our authority in Christ and to Engage in this fight, not to be passive, not to lie on the couch for more than one second. You can lie for one second, but to actually engage in this battle because the reward is beautiful. It's worth it. Amen? Say it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.